Hello, pharmacists and student pharmacists. My name is Andy Stone, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Offscript, brought to you by your APHA ASP Policy Standing Committee. Offscript is intended to be an informative, interview-based podcast series that encourages our listeners to think outside the prescription pad. This series will focus on the issues that our APHA ASP student pharmacist members determined were important to them, based on the resolutions that were passed from the 2017 APHA ASP House of Delegates. Offscript gives us a chance to hear from the experts practicing in these fields to learn more about what we can do as pharmacists to continue advancing our profession. Our first interview is with Dr. Brittany Stewart from Wayne State University. Dr. Stewart is a wealth of information regarding transitions of care. Resolution 2017.1 expressed the desire of student pharmacists to learn more about the transitions of care process, integrate student pharmacists into the transitions of care team, and encourage all stakeholders to utilize pharmacist-provided transition of care services. Dr. Stewart is a practicing transitions of care pharmacist and was able to provide a wealth of information and resources for those of you yearning for your chance to help improve patient care. Now, over to the interview. We're here today talking with Dr. Brittany Stewart. Dr. Stewart received her doctorate in pharmacy at Wayne State University in 2009. She completed a PGY1 community pharmacy residency at the University of North Carolina and went on to become a community pharmacist with Safeway. Here, Dr. Stewart advanced her practice by promoting both routine and travel immunizations for those in her community. In 2014, Dr. Stewart returned back to Wayne State University as an assistant professor of pharmacy practice. She is one of the advisors for their APHA ASP chapter and is involved in the Generation RX and Operation Immunization projects. Dr. Stewart is also a Transitions of Care Pharmacist at the Detroit Medical Center and was elected to be APHA's Transitions of Care Special Interest Group, or SIG, coordinator, which is what we're here to talk about today. So thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. Um, as you know, the ASP House of Delegates passed a resolution, 2017.1, that encourages ASP to have pharmacist and student pharmacist involvement in Transitions of Care services. So my first question for you is, what is Transitions of Care in your words, and how does it kind of work? Okay. Um, well, Transitions of Care is a process that takes place when patients are moving from one healthcare setting to another or to their home in order to, to provide the best continuity of care for the patients. Um, so the process typically includes medication reconciliation, discharge planning, communication of information, patient education, and then usually some mechanism of follow-up either by phone or in person. So I would say that's kind of um, it could be a little bit more or a little bit less than that, depending on what the practice setting is like, but those are some of the main elements of transitions of care. Right. And how do pharmacists fit into the transitions of care model? So pharmacists are definitely the key players in providing the accurate and complete medication reconciliation, um, both, I would say, at admission and as well as discharge for patients. Uh, pharmacists also serve as the bridge in communication between providers, patients, and other pharmacists during this entire process. Um, however, um, the successful programs that have been published all have an integrated team approach that includes pharmacists. So we're just one of the important members on the team, um, but I do think pharmacists are necessary in this process. 
Um, so what are some of the unique roles that pharmacists are playing on some of these teams that you've mentioned? Okay, so many of the roles and responsibilities that pharmacists are doing in transitions of care are pretty similar. And as I mentioned, a lot of it is in regards to medication reconciliation, as well as patient education, and then a lot of different types of communication. Um, one unique and important thing that I have seen happening recently is that there's been an increase in home visits. Mm -hmm. um, pharmacists going into patients' homes after they have been discharged in order to do more of a medication therapy management or medication reconciliation in the patient's home, which is really important because we can't really see what patients are fully doing with their medications until we get into their home with them. Um, so I know that that's one thing that has been happening um, more of recent. Um, and then on a personal note, in my practice, I have a unique setting where um, I offer a transitions of care service where I provide hypertension management for patients who are coming into the emergency department but do not have a primary care physician to follow up with. And so we have designed this model um, to meet the needs of an underserved population in Detroit who's lacking in primary care. Um, outside of that, I would say most of the pharmacist roles are pretty um, similar as far as what we're doing with med reconciliation, um, education, communication, as well as like post-discharge phone call follow-up or either face-to-face uh, -face visit with the patient. No, that sounds, that sounds really cool. Mm -hmm. um, so what are some ways that you think that student pharmacists could get involved in? Well, I think there are lots of ways that student pharmacists can get involved. So I do want to mention that in 2013, the Center for the Advancement of Pharmacy Education, also known as CAPE, published educational outcomes that helped set the standards, the ACPE 2016 standards that we as colleges of pharmacy follow um, when we design and develop our curriculum. Those uh, CAPE outcomes actually included language that says they want student pharmacists to be able to manage patients um, during transitions of care upon graduation. Awesome. So, as a student, it's really important to find out what is being offered in your curriculum at your College of Pharmacy. Um, is there anything in your didactic courses? Are there any electives related to transitions of care? Um, start asking questions about how it's integrated into your IPPE and your APPE experiences. Um, it still is a growing field and colleges of pharmacy, I think, are trying to expand what we're doing with transitions of care in our curriculums. So um, as the students, I think it's important for you to show interest and ask questions because if we see that you're interested as the colleges of pharmacies, I think that what we offer for students will continue to grow if we see that as a need. So those are just starting to ask questions about what the opportunities are. Um, there are many colleges offering rotations, um, both IPPE and APPE with transitions of care, as well as there are some electives being developed and things like that. And then also any volunteer opportunities or shadowing or mentoring you might be able to go out and do with a, with a transitions of care pharmacist would be great too. Okay, so trying to find different ways to get involved and like let people know that you're interested. Yes, okay. most definitely. Um, so where do you kind of see the future of pharmacists' involvement in transitions of care? Well, I think transitions of care practices are becoming um, more standard and well-known within health systems. Um, I think that there are still many health systems that are starting or growing services at this time. Um, but for this service to continue to expand and grow, especially for pharmacists, I think that we definitely need to push for provider status approval. 
Um, this would allow us as pharmacists to bill for some of these services that we're providing with Transitions of Care and, and then bill independently for these services. Right now there are um, TCM, Transitional Care Management Codes, that we can bill as pharmacists. Um, however, we still have to be tied to a provider um, in billing for those services. So I think for this to really expand to its potential, having provider status would, would, would be essential for that. Um, I also see the, the need to expand this practice and integrate it into community pharmacy settings um, where patients are filling their, their monthly maintenance medications and where their primary pharmacist is. Um, community pharmacies right now, I, I believe, are the missing link in transitions of care. Um, however, it's a challenge because, again, without us being able to bill for these types of services, community pharmacists are not um, encouraged, per se, to offer services like this. Um, also, one of the biggest challenges remains to be health information technology and communication, I would say, across the board in, in healthcare. So I think once, as a healthcare system, we can figure that out. Um, once we can figure out how to share health information technology efficiently across all practice settings, that would be a great advancement for transitions of care. Um, because I will tell you, the biggest challenge we have in transitions of care is the communication piece. If anybody could figure that piece out, I think that would solve our, our puzzle. And I think that when that might happen is when we, we find a health information technology system that spans all practice settings. I think it's really important what you bring up, especially talking about how this relates to our push for provider status legislation. Because I think a lot of the times, especially as students, we kind of think more along like MTMs or some kind of medication therapy management, looking and seeing how that influences our provider status. But seeing kind of like a different picture for where we can fit in with being able to build Medicare and in those medically underserved communities and seeing how pharmacists can fit in, I think is a really important piece that you bring up. Um, what's one of your favorite stories about helping a patient through the transitions of care process? Um, well, I actually, this is a very recent patient that I saw. Um, I was working with this patient who was being discharged um, with a 30-day prescription for anoxaparin. Um, she was being treated for pulmonary embolism. And when she left the hospital, when we were going through the discharge planning process, which again, it's an integrated team approach, the social workers were working on her prior authorization, trying to get the anoxaparin approved through her insurance. Well, when the time came for her to be discharged and to leave the hospital, the hospital outpatient pharmacy filled all of her medications, but they were not able to fill her anoxaparin because that prior authorization apparently had not gone through yet. And so the patient left the hospital that day with all of her other discharge medications except for her anoxaparin. So I followed up with her probably three or four days post-discharge. And when we do the follow-up calls, we do somewhat of another medication reconciliation or an MTM essentially to find out what all the medications are that they're taking. And I found out that the patient still was not on any anticoagulation therapy because she was not able to get it filled. Um, she didn't know when her follow-up with her primary care physician would be, again, another typical um, underserved patient. And so I went back to work with the outpatient hospital pharmacy to get that anoxaparin approved through her insurance to be able to get it filled. And then I called the patient back and asked her to come back in and pick it up, and which she did. So um, for me, that was a great success story because I know how important that medication was for her. Mm -hmm. Somebody just needed to take that extra step of following up with the pharmacy to make sure that the insurance would cover it and then 
finding, you know, helping the patient come back in to actually pick up the medication. Um, so that's probably, I've had several stories that, um, you know, they're just kind of small wins, but they feel really successful. But for that one, I was, I was very happy that I was able to help her and more happy that she came back and picked up her medication without, you know, because essentially going without treatment for her pulmonary embolism could have been very detrimental to her health. Mm. So that was a very recent story that um, was a, a success. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying before with needing a communication, kind of that communication bridge, because now she was going between not being sure when she was going to see her primary care provider next and didn't have this medication that was going to help her with her treatment for her PE. Right. So it's really crucial that someone like a pharmacist can step in and kind of fill that role for them. Right, and if I had not followed up with her, she would have just went without. The patient didn't really understand why that medication was so important because even when I talked to her on the phone, it was just kind of like, oh yeah, I didn't get, she called them her shots. Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to get my shots filled because my insurance didn't cover them. So for her, it was just like, well, I wasn't able to fill it. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think she even really understand understood how important it was. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, she just needed that extra somebody to step in and help her navigate the system really. Um, and that's what most most patients just don't know how to navigate some of these hoops and, and, you know, obstacles that we have in place in our healthcare system. Plus, the discharge process is crazy as it is. Most of them just think about wanting to go home. Yes. A lot of the patients are like, okay, I finally get to leave the hospital. And they're not maybe as concerned or as observant during these medication uh, consultations. Right. So it's important for someone like someone like you to follow up a couple of days later yes. and kind of help walk them through what's important there. Yes. And this really should, and I've said this before, um, but I really think that this should be a standard of care mm -hmm. for patients, not just like right now, we're mainly focusing on high risk patients, which is good. We have to start somewhere. Um, we have to see what kind of effect and outcome this is going to have. But really, I mean, it shouldn't just be the high-risk patients. This should be all patients that are, are receiving this type of service um, because it's important for everybody, um, not maybe not just certain patients with certain diagnoses. Yeah, I would agree. That, that makes a lot of sense. If I wanted to look up some more information about transitions of care, what are some resources you could point me towards? Sure. There are, um, there are several resources available to find out about transitions of care. I would encourage you and other student pharmacists to start with many of the national pharmacy organizations provide a lot of information and resources about transitions of care. So I'll start with APHA. Um, first of all, the APHA website offers a plethora of information. Um, if you go on to pharmacist.com, um, if you're a member, if you're a student member, and you just type in transitions of care, there are several um, different documents and resources that you will find, including publications, so recent studies that have been done. There are patient cases published on there, um, personal pharmacist stories, lots of things that you can read about related to transitions of care. Also, provider status and sort of how it fits in there. In addition to that, we have the Transitions of Care SIG with an APHA, which is another great resource and network opportunity, and students are able to join our SIG as student members, and we have the Engage platform where you're able to view conversations. We share documents and published articles there as well. The SIG we have put out every year, we offer webinars about transitions of care, and those are housed in our library on the Engage platform within the SIG that everybody has access to as well. So for example, last fall, um, we offered two webinars about transitions of care and billing. They were excellent web webinars and resources. So again, a lot of those resources are there within the APHA website and or the SIG. 
there are some pretty important documents, I would say, that have been published that are kind of go-to resources about transitions of care. So one, um, ASHP and APHA published a document that's called Medication Management and Care Transitions Best Practices. So it's a guide of basically what it says, the best practices and transitions of care. So that's a really good place to start because you can see different models of care that have been successful and what has been published. Secondly, ACCP published a white paper in 2012, and it's called Improving Care Transitions, uh, Current and Future Opportunities. Uh, so this white paper gives a really good overview of other successful models of transitions of care as well that have been published in the literature. And so those are just some pharmacy organizations, um, resources, documents, things that are available. On a national level, there's also organizations that are looking at care transitions, um, such as there's a, a organization called the National Transitions of Care Coalition. Of course, you know, CMS with Medicare and Medicaid. Transitions of care is kind of on the top of everybody's radar right now. Um, so it's really easy to find resources, um, but I just wanted to point you in the direction of some pharmacy-specific because if you go just to do a general search about transitions of care, you'll, you'll get everything, you know, kind of from every view because I said it's a very integrated approach and so it's not just related to pharmacy. So um, those are some pharmacy-specific resources that could help you. No, those are great and I think you highlight a lot of the key ones and being able to kind of utilize a lot of APHA's resources that we already have access to as student pharmacists, as student members, yes. um, really important. Oh, I forgot to mention one thing. So last year, our Transitions of Care SIG, we actually put together a resource document about um, transitions of care, like case examples, oh. and how pharmacists, student pharmacists, technicians are integrated into these case examples. Um, and that was actually just published on the APHA website probably two months ago. So that was the project that the Transitions of Care SIG worked on last year to develop this tool and document. So that's another good resource that's on the APHA website. That sounds excellent and yeah. even kind of gives us an idea of what there actually is out there and see like here's a real patient in a real scenario. Yes, exactly. What is one piece of advice you have for student pharmacists related to transitions of care or otherwise? So I really hope that student pharmacists can begin to understand how important transitions of care is for patients, both for continuity of care and medication safety. Um, sometimes I think transitions of care might not sound so cool or exciting to students. I don't really know because you're not necessarily like you're not doing pharmacokinetic dosing and you're not, you know, there's, it's, it's more of a, you're kind of being more of a general practitioner and helping people with all aspects of medication management. And so, um, I mean, it is a specialized area, but I would say you're kind of like the jack of all trades when you work in transitions of care. But I think it's really important that students can start to understand and appreciate how important it is. Um, and I hope that they want to explore this area more because I do think that this is gonna be an area that continues to expand and that this will open up doorways for new opportunity for pharmacist positions. So students coming out of school that might be concerned about, um, you know, where am I going to work and what type of position do I want to be in, this would be a great opportunity to create some uh, unique positions for students. Um, and my hope is that all students when they leave pharmacy school prior to graduation that they get some experience with transitions of care. Um, so again, that's why I would encourage students to seek that out through their College of Pharmacy or their um, IPPE, APPE experiences. And again, I just think that this is a growing field that will present innovative opportunities in the future for student pharmacists. Yeah, it sounds really exciting and it sounds like something where 
we kind of get an idea more what our patients are going through when they leave that hospital setting. So even when we're doing a lot of those clinical dosing, um, this is a real patient, a real person who ends up going back to their home and they might need a little bit of help guiding them back into taking care of themselves again or reminding themselves of what kind of medications they have. Um, so I think that that's a really good point and having student pharmacists involved in that can really help kind of solidify a lot of the things that we learn through our didactic learning. Yes. Yes, and it's learning a lot more about um, how to communicate with patients and how to help them with some of the real-life problems that they have with mm -hmm. medications. Um, you know, because honestly, patients don't care how their medications are dosed. They don't, you know, they don't know about any of the jazz behind the scenes. For the patient, the important thing is, can they access the medication? Do they know how to take it? Do they know what they need to watch out for? The cost. A lot of what I do in Transitions of Care is helping people find ways to afford their medication, and pharmacists are great resources for that. So um, it's a lot of those other things that are almost more important to the patient that we can help them with. So and That's important because pharmacists are considered one of the top trusted healthcare professionals, mm -hmm. and being able to do things like that kind of further shows how trustworthy we can be and how, how we can be utilized in the healthcare team. Yes, most definitely. Um, well, I just wanted to thank you again for your time, Dr. Stewart. Um, it's been really great kind of learning about transitions of care hearing some of the resources and stories that you have just to kind of get a better idea. Hopefully it helps a lot of our student pharmacists as well. Great. Well, thank you so much for interviewing me and for coming to ask me these questions. I'm always happy to share information, and I do hope that this is helpful for some students to learn about transitions of care. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to take a moment to again thank Dr. Stewart for her time for our interview. I think she did an excellent job demonstrating the importance of transitions of care services to our patients explaining how pharmacists can get involved in the process, and providing resources for us to further deepen our understanding. We on the Policy Standing Committee look forward to providing you with additional expert interviews on the topics that are important to you. Until our next episode of Offscript, remember to take a few moments of your day to think outside the prescription pad.